Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's what I taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect, just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys, part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 200 episodes. It's been an amazing run with this show so far. And if you can see me, then that means you have access to this video, which means that you are one of the people who are taking advantage of the new monthly membership that this show offers. So thank you so much for doing that. If you can just hear me, then again, thank you so much for tuning in. And I really look forward to entertaining you for months and years to come. One of the things that I did when I started out in pop culture at all was in 2004, I still can't believe it was almost 20 years ago, when I joined basically my favorite independent pop culture website that I was reading at the time. And that was 411 Mania. They started out as 411 Wrestling. And then in 2003, the webmaster Ashish Bavari made the move to covering all of pop culture. So it wasn't just wrestling. It was going to be movies and TV. It was going to be music. It was going to be politics. It was going to be video games. And for a while, it was this really interesting little zone called 411 Black, which was all about stirring up controversy in many different ways. So I just knew that I had to start writing from there. It was just a matter of figuring out what I was going to do, the sort of angle that I was going to take. And when I saw X2 in 2003, there, there was one in partic- scene in particular that really stuck with me, and that was the scene with with Magneto and Pyro when Magneto basically tells him, you are a god among, among insects, never let anyone tell you different. And it was just a short little scene that grabbed my attention so much, and I was just like, wow, there should be like some sort of column that really kind of focuses on those little scenes that really make an impact for the whole movie, and they need to be celebrated in that way. And then all of a sudden I realized I had my hook for a, for a column. And so I submitted my, my first, my first column and it wound up getting accepted. And for a wonderful eight year period, I was writing for 411 Mania, not just as the writer of that column, Scene Anatomy 101, but also doing the Thursday news section and then for a few years, I was working in the, I was working behind the scenes, basically creating all these different news clips that were just going on the site over and over again, just to get more people, more participation and everything. And one of the great things about that site was in 2004, one of the two webmasters and a whole lot of the more popular writers jumped ship and started their own website basically leaving 411 Mania to die. And 
what wound up working great was everyone who was left behind in a sense, they felt galvanized by this. It was just like, we can all start working together and collaborating and really getting to know each other and rooting for each other and really creating a good sense of community in our group. And the, and the site wound up flourishing as a result of that. I mean, like we, we were thriving really. The, the numbers were looking great. We wound up being looked at as one of the top independent pop culture websites that were out there at the internet at the time. So we created something that I was really, really proud of. And that's why I stuck around for as long as I did. And one of the, one of the reasons why I was so proud of working there is because of is there, there was not only this sense of community, like I said, but this was a sense of everyone really not only rooting for each other on the site, but outside of the site and even after their period of time working there. And in 2020, when two of our, two of our main people, Chris Hyatt and Larry Zonka had passed away, by that time, this show, Excelsior Journeys, was in hiatus. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. I wasn't sure when I was going to get back to it. And when fellow writer by the name of Chad Webb, who's become a very good friend of mine, let me know of Chris and, Hi- Chris and Larry's passing, I knew that I had to get as many guys from 411 to come on and do a tribute to both of those guys. And it wound up being so much fun. And it wound up really kind of reigniting all of the passions within me that I never looked back. And this show continued on and still continues to this day. And a big reason why is because of one of the, one of my guests that's here this week. Ryan Bowman started writing for 411 Mania at the same time, around the same time that I did in 2004. He stuck around until 2006 and has since gone on to do a whole lot of, a whole lot of great things, writing for a whole lot of great sites, building up his experience in this wonderful world of writing and pop culture. And he has since been able to compile so much of his experience into a book that is on sale now called Pop Music and Peanut Butter. And I'm so thrilled to have Ryan here to talk about that very book and our shared experience working for 411 Mania. So it is my pleasure after this very long intro to introduce my friend, Ryan K. Bowman. Ryan, how are you, sir? Thanks so much for having me on, George. It's great to talk to you once again. It's like we only do this once every three years or so. We got to do it a lot more often, I think. <laughs> I think like there is, there really is something special about this, this group of writers for 411 Mania. Like I said, we were, we weren't given a shot. We were just like, okay, you know, like we'll, we'll be the guys that are, that are left, you know, and they'll just do their thing, whatever, you know, but all of these writers, the guys that are getting all of this attention, they're going to go over to this site and more power to them. They're still there. That site is still is still going. I've never held any real grudge against them because basically what they did by leaving, that allowed us to step up and really take over. And it felt great being able to do that. Wouldn't you agree? 
Yeah, I was actually one of the guys who came in right as that happened when the IP, the, the thing went, the guys kind of split in half. And the guy that I replaced on the weekends, the columnist, and I, I mean, I forget his name now, you know, I had come in and I had already done, you know, work for newspaper. I, I was a sports writer before I was there and I had done wrestling. I had done announcing, ring announcing, PA stuff and, and all that for a local really? wrestling company. So I, yeah, so I had worked with the guys and knew a lot of guys in the business. I, I mean, I had come in there and there were guys now that I had known from the nineties that were starting to go to Louisville to train at OVW. And I had started working in Louisville doing wrestling stuff in 99 or so, something like that. So, you know, I crossed paths with a lot of guys that were, you know, coming through and were now making their way. So, you know, I had really, really gained a, a respect for wrestling for one and, and had that education from people, you know, Coming from the St. Louis area, there's a lot of legends from there, and it's it was oh, sort yeah. of a hub for wrestling before the McMahon era, you know. So that's kind of the shadows I grew up in, and so I had that wrestling background, and I had the sports background, plus the journalism background, and it just made sense to write about wrestling. But when I came in, one of the gentlemen, the gentleman that I replaced there was insanely popular. I was in the same spot with my column. And, and he was kind of a shock jock type, I think, kind of a rips into like everything, but it was funny. You know, he was very talented and I was mm-hmm. the total opposite. I'm a very kind of goofy imagery where somebody's, where, where the other columnists were arguing about who should win what title and who should get a push. I was doing stories about, you know, what guys ate on the road. You know, just and making it funny, trying to be as funny and comical and, and really as, as SNL as I could possibly be about it without without disrespecting the business and making it a total parody, you know, yeah. and, and just and at the same time, I would touch on important topics. If I thought drug use in wrestling or, or certain topics, the concussion thing, when that came up, I wrote about it. But for the most part, I, I wanted to keep things light because I thought everybody else is doing serious. You know, yeah. let's have some fun with this. And and I've kind of tried to keep it that way in the 20 years, whether I'm writing about the NFL or pro wrestling or anything, because I really think people, especially with our attention spans these days, we have to have a reason to stick around when we start yeah. reading. And and that's and I really think imagery and catchphrases and, and a little bit of wordplay here, while it seems like it's gimmicky, it works for me and it's worked for me for 30 years now. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm lucky. I've been blessed to get to, I've said all the time to get to make a living doing what I love. That's and, great. and you know, I, I, it's not work. I mean, I write on days. Mm-hmm. I write when I don't have to write, you know, because it's what mm-hmm. I love. So, and 411 was just kind of, it, it nurtured that. And it also was that springboard for me to really move into down the, the road. A lot of what I did later when I started mm-hmm. my own website, the gorilla position, I, I modeled over a lot of the same things I had done at 411. I took a lot of what I did there and translated it 10 years later in 2017 to starting the gorilla position.com and which I started with a former 411 writer as well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of 411 is so ingrained. It's almost like, it's almost like, I hate to say this and I don't want to be blasphemous, but for wrestling sake, purposes it's it's my genesis it's my it's my first book of the bible in terms of wrestling i mean i had done some stuff with a friend of mine's site we tried to get some things going but it never really we had some issues with some Mm -hmm. some things that happened and it didn't really take off 411 was my first time of stepping away from sports to cover wrestling which was weird because sports people looked kind of down on that at the time and then it was weird for me to be around the wrestlers because it was kind of like I was crossing into enemy territory being a, you know, a dirt sheet guy. 
you know, back in those days, because the 04, that was still, you were still kind of the enemy when you yeah. were part of the internet. So, you know, you know, from that environment, we were all in it together. It, it was a far different world in 2004, 2005 to be covering the internet or wrestling on the internet than it is today. I mean, and, well, and that's, that's the evolution that we've, I've been lucky to see, I guess, to, to bring this whole, my big long spiel, my big build up full circle <laughs> is from, from the, the 411 days to now, it, mm-hmm. it, it planted that seed for me and everything else grew from it. That's the best yeah. way I can say. So would you say that, that sports itself became your lightning bolt moment? Cause that's one of the things I love to talk about on here is what was that initial catalyst? That one thing that you experienced or watched or listened to or something that just kind of made you kind of pivot in that direction and just say, Ooh, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of person I want to be. Was it sports or was it writing? That was, that was the first step. Oh, wow. Wow. I guess it was probably writing because as a kid, you know, I was, I was alone a lot as a kid. I was a Gen X kid, you know, and you know, when your parents both work and, you know, you're kind of raised by grandparents, you kind of find yourself drawing pictures and making up stories and making cartoons. Mm -hmm. My first job, Honest to God, my first paying job in the newspaper business, I was 10 years old and I drew the panels, the cartoon panels for our local newspaper. That's how oh, long no I've kidding. been in media. Yeah. So I, I technically go back 38 years in media. And then wow. I started I started writing sports when I was a freshman and I was doing radio for a radio station when I was 50. I mean, I, it started for me very young. Media was the first thing that bit me, but where the passion came in and, and when you said what the lightning bolt for me was – I played basketball and baseball and I ran track growing up. And I, before I get into all this, I was, I, I played varsity baseball in high school. I was not a, a standout athlete. I was not drafted, nor would I have ever been. And no, I could not throw a football over the mountains. <laughs> Nothing like that. It's right. not one of those stories, but I did play and I, and I had fun and I, and I loved my teammates and I did play with some, some pretty good athletes. But you know, I think for me, my first time playing just baseball when I was a kid in a game, and first time I ever really made a big play, I made a catch, and it kind of was an important part of the game. And it was the first time people ever cheered for me, like a whole bunch of people, everybody's parents, and everybody's like, "Yeah, that was the most amazing thing." And that feeling, in that moment, that attention—I mean, let's be honest—we yeah. all love attention, and that that moment of acceptance. Just like wow, it went all through my body. It was like a wave through my body. And I thought, man, that felt so great. But it wasn't so much the feeling I had. It was the fact that I could go down, go home and write down how it felt. And then I realized as, as time went on, if I could tell how I felt in that moment and relate how I felt, then I could tell how other people felt too. And that's what, how I started writing about sports. Tell me about you. Tell me about yeah. that moment. Don't tell me about, was it a three, two count in the bottom of the ninth? Tell me what it felt like when you first put your toe in the dirt and you and you felt the air hit you and thought, this is my moment. What was going through your mind? Those are the kind of questions I like to ask. Which which. On mania, because right. you were talking about, like you said, what what they like to what what the wrestlers themselves preferred to eat, you know, uh, on the road right. or whatever, you know, like you. It's, a, di- it's a different yeah. It's the difference between talking about it and touching it. Yeah. Is, is the way that I feel. You can, you can talk about it in a story or you can actually make the person feel like they're reaching out and can touch it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the difference to me. That's where, and, and I'm very blessed. One of the other things that I, I have been very, very lucky in terms of wrestling 
one of the people that brought me full circle. I was writing for the Miami Herald, Mm -hmm. uh, which was already a big deal for me getting a shot with the Miami Herald, one of the top newspapers in the country. And for the WrestleMania, for the Sunday of WrestleMania, it was 2017. I'll never forget April 4th. My first time I woke up, it was 5 Mm a.m. and the sun still wasn't up. And I woke up my wife and I pulled it up and I looked online to see if it had gone live. And there was a full feature story on WrestleMania Sunday about Bill Apter. Oh, and wow. I had I had just interviewed Bill, you know, the the the, the dean of pro wrestling journalists. I yeah. mean, the man, yeah. you know, the, the the Moses of all of us, you know. Mm-hmm. And and there it was, my first story in the Herald about this guy that I just met who just took me under his wing from that day forward i was kind of his chosen guy you know and, uh, and i'm just not saying that bill, bill has done that for several people he's been a mentor to so many so i'm not an exception to i'm not somebody you know some special but yeah. the way that he he would talk to me and mentor me and he said you know you're not just a writer you're a storyteller that's what you do that's what sets you apart and he would just kind of coach me along and then along that way he introduced me to everybody in the business all these older guys and the veterans. And I'm telling you young guys out there, if you want to get in good on the, know the veterans because the young guys in the business, they listen to the older guys, the older guys got sway. I don't care if they're 70, 80, they, they're always going to get their props. Mm -hmm. So if you, if the old guys, the veterans respect you and acknowledge you guys, even like my age, 48, 50, 55, whatever they're in the business that I've hung out with, you know, I've, I partied with guys back in the day. You know, it's just like if, if they get to know you and they know that you're, you know, you're cool and you're laid back and, and, and that you're somebody that's not just trying to use them or use the business. And it opens a lot of doors. Yeah. And especially, like I said, the older guys, cause the older guys want to pass along their knowledge. It's just, we got a lot of hard headed younger people that don't want to listen. Right. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, and that's not saying the style today is terrible or anything else. It's just, it's more of the practice and the professionalism yeah. that I think they could pick up on. So it's amazing what happens when it's just that one person that reads your stuff or watches your movie or, you know, picks up your script or listens to a recording and just points at them and just say like, I'm going to give you a shot. You know, like you have this much time to impress me. And if you can impress them, if you can make an impact in their life in somehow, if they feel that, you know, that they can, they can either learn from you or they would know that you would be someone worth teaching, man, that that's, that's an amazing opportunity right there. Like that's, that's that's a, that's uh, fantastic. Can you imagine like I mean cuz Bill Apter's been around for decades obviously. So mm-hmm. can when you first started reading him did you think well I'm going to learn from him? I'm going to learn directly from him someday? No. No, I never imagined myself ever getting to know him and now it's like when it's Father's Day I think to give him a call. You know, like, I mean, I mean, sometimes I forget, you know, but it's like, I think like on Father's Day, should I call Bill? You know, and it's not like, you know, he's, I mean, he has a son who he loves. He's very close to, don't get me wrong or anything like that. It's not that kind of adopted thing, but professionally he did sort of adopt me. He did sort of put his stamp on me and, and, and it, it did give me a lot of opportunities. He's the one person above anybody. And I mean, that's, and there's a long list of people I owe but I, I could probably put Bill at the top in terms of professional wrestling and what he did for me. I, I don't think that there's, I've said for years, he should be in the WWE hall of fame. If even if he, they have to make an exception just this one time to put a journalist in, it should be Bill because of how important he's been. And, and I know how important he's been to me. 
Yeah. You if know. they have celebrities that are there, and I understand the, the, I understand the value of celebrities. I mean, WrestleMania wouldn't be what it is if Cindy Lauper doesn't get involved in with Vince McMahon, you know, and decide to do business with him. You know, so, the, you know, celebrities definitely play a part in the evolution of wrestling in a huge, huge way. So they definitely deserve their own wing of the Hall of Fame. But when it comes to journalists, they definitely deserve a wing. They they deserve a wing all, all in and of themselves. Yeah, I mean, that'll probably if anybody would get it because he's in such I mean, everybody loves Bill. I, yeah. I would probably be because of the diplomacy he has. I would think they may do that. But, you know, I heard people for so many years talk about, you know, well, it's a disgrace. They have this celebrity wing and they don't have Andy Kaufman. Well, how did Andy Kaufman get into the business? Bill after Bill after is the one that t- that introduced him to Jerry Lawler. I mean, so that's that they, that's a huge chunk of wrestling history that that one guy this unassuming gentleman from, from New York, you know, just happened to, you know, have his hands in and, and it made history, you know, just being, being a guy. And I know as a guy behind the scenes myself as a writer, I've introduced people and stuff like that and, and seen the, the after effects of it happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever think about it being something I, I'm sure Bill didn't think it was going to end up on David Letterman, right? you know, when he did it, but he just did it because he thought that's probably what's best. And, and, you know, when you're a guy like that and you're in the right place at the right time all the time, there's a reason. It's because you're a legend. Yeah. People aren't people aren't in those kind of situations all the time by accident. Bill right. has been what he's been to our business and to not just wrestling journalism, but journalism. Mm-hmm. He's a credit to it, in in a crazy crazy world where very few people had credibility for a lot of years, Bill had credibility, yeah, and that says a lot. Oh, and he yeah. still does. Mm-hmm. He still does to this day. He's pushing eighty now, I think. But I think he's the same age as my dad, and they're they'd be mid seventies <laughs> now. So it's hard to believe. Although I've said forever, Bills look the same for fifty years. So I mean, it's you know basically, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, him and Arn Anderson, yeah, never gonna oh, age. Oh, absolutely, and, and JJ yeah. Dillon. Yep, <laughs> I, I kid JJ's daughter sometimes. I used to kid Pam about that once in a while about how JJ will never he never ages, but everybody says that too. So, but yeah, there's and that's the other thing I I cherish. I just brought up JJ's daughter, and I've gotten to know so many people's families mm-hmm. in the business. You know, it's so funny because it's like like I wrote the story not too long ago. I, I did a story about China, and I did it specifically for her mom. You know, which was and her mom shared it out on Twitter and all that stuff, you know, and it was it was just kind of uh, it was. was, Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, when you have that kind of situation or like when I did the story of about seven years ago or whatever with Allie, you know, and she opened up to me about depression and anxiety. And I was like, this is your story. This is it. Cause she had just done that video mm-hmm. about it and, and it just blew up. That was the biggest story we ever did at the gorilla because Laura got behind it, you know, and, and, you know, and then, you know, that's the biggest thing too with media forging that relationship with the wrestlers. If they'll promote your stuff, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason guys like SRS is up at the top of the game and Nick Hausman, you know, is, it does is so successful because they're in with the wrestlers, man. They're right. hanging out and they, they know the people personally. And I mean, and it, it, before anybody says, well, there's no journalistic ethics. Hey, the, the reporters in Washington are having dinner with the politicians too. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't let anybody fool you. It, it's all a business at the end of the day. And wrestling media should be no different. We should look at it as a business, not as a fandom, but as a business. And, and for the guys that were smart enough to 
play those kind of politics. Yeah. That's part of the business. That's part of the business. And, and that, again, I, I'm not, I don't want to set up here like I'm on the mountain preaching down to everybody, but as an older guy who's been through all the crap, I can tell you guys, I could give a lot of the younger journalists out there a lot of hints that would really save them some headache and probably some embarrassment. Yeah. Because there's some guys out there that have really tried their best, but there's just no guidance. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not prepared. They go in and in wrestling, it's not as bad as it used to be because it used to be, you know, a snake pit to go in. If you went in and you were a journalist and you weren't prepared, you were going to get lit up. Yeah. You were going to get eaten alive and probably not want to come back. Right. They're a lot nicer now, but uh, yeah, for some of the guys, you, you can look really, really bad. If you go in with some of the wrestlers, you go in with somebody like, like Eli or well, not Eli, LA Knight Now somebody like that in an interview and he wants to have fun with you. You're, you're kind of lagging behind. He wants to have fun with you. He'll make you look silly. Mm-hmm. I've heard him do it on press conferences and stuff. <laughs> oh, he's done it to me before. He's really? done it to me before. And I'm an, I'm an old veteran. I walk in, I walked into one of them. I'm like, Oh, he got me. <laughs> you know. Well, let's, let's, let's stick with that then. So what, what kind of tips like what, like that, you know, would you give to the younger guys? Cause I mean, you know, we got guys, you know, like that are in, in 411 right now. There are a lot of, you know, people that have been there for years, but there are also some newer writers. So not naming names or anything, but you know, like, would there be a couple of tips or something that you would give to those younger guys and just say like, let's go, you know, Try, you know, instead of doing this, try this. So, like, without naming names, what kind of tips would you provide for them? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to name names because I'm not, like saying I'm the expert of anything. Right. But there's two things I noticed that I, as someone who has studied journal, I mean, you know, has done this in other fields and things. The one thing that I've noticed, and I've noticed you don't do this in an interview, which is, is a gold star for you. On oh, this, thank you. Um, in this whole conversation is, and here's the thing about interviews. Let me ask you a question. That's the problem right there. That's how every question starts. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. We know you're going to ask a question, bro. It's an interview. Yep. There's no mystery to it. <laughs> you don't need to set it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got a job. They got a job. You don't, they know you're going to ask a question. That's what right. an interview is. And it, it's not that, oh, I, I'm being a stickler. Listen to, and I'll, I will name names because I'll, I'll, I'll if the next time, <laughs> if I ever get a chance to talk to Glenn Gilberti, I'm going to tell him this again. Cause I was supposed to do an interview with him like last year and we, we had to reschedule, but yeah. disco does that on their show all the time. Every question. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you, just ask, right. just ask, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that is something that, but now again, to be fair, Glenn is a wrestler, not a journalist. Yeah. Disco is a wrestler, not a journalist. I should say, I'm not going to use his name, his name, name, but yeah. Disco Inferno, he's, you know, he's a wrestler doing a podcast. So that's acceptable. It's different. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to present yourself as a journalist, a trained journalist, that's something I wouldn't get in the habit of. And it's a very easy habit to get into. Oh, yeah. Because it's a good lead in. It's a good way to give yourself a second to set up what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Know what you're going to say and go right to it but comfortably. Yeah. Tip. Oh my gosh. Tip number two, stop asking guys how they got in a business. Mm. It's the same story. It's, it's unless look, I mean, there are some people say a guy was in the Olympics and he came in. Well, you know that going in, that's part of the story. If it's part of your story. Yes. But for the most part, 90% of the people, guys and girls are going to say, I saw it on TV. I wanted to try it. I went to a school and I got my first match. Yeah. Okay. Question two. I mean, that's the same interview over and rinse, wash, repeat, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, unless here's the way the rule I would say as far as unless 
their origin story is unusual. Unless their parents were killed by the Joker, their origin story doesn't really matter. <laughs> so let's just leave that part out. There's tip number two from your Uncle Ryan. There you go. And, and number three is something I break a, a rule of a lot because I find myself crossing back and forth. Don't use anybody's first names or real birth names, Christian names, whatever you want to say, yeah. unless they actually you have that relationship with them. I, I just did that to to disco a while ago, and I'm really not that close. I mean, we talked. I've done interviews with him and stuff, but there's guys I get in. The bad habit is you get around other people that do it, and so you pick up on it. Mm. Now there are people in the business, you know, like I I I when I talk to Brad Kane, I have a hard time calling him Lodi. Cause it's like, yeah. we've been buddies for a while, you know? So it's like, I can't just go, Hey Lodi, you know, it just, and I knew him as Brad, mm -hmm. you know, cause he's sort of moved on more and now he's a trainer and stuff, which I got to give him a call cause he's having health issues. But, but you know, that's the, one of the things too, where I get caught in that, I get caught in that where, you know, you got a guy in your cell phone, his number doesn't necessarily mean you're on a first name basis or they're your buddy. Yeah. You know, like I just brought up, what's his name? WWE guy, LA Knight. Yeah. When he was with Impact, I did two or three stories. I've still got his cell if it if it even is. But what am I going to do? I'm not going to just call him out of the blue and be like, "What's up, brother?" He doesn't remember me yeah. like that, you know. I mean, so that's what I'm saying is when I it's not even so much the name thing is know those personal boundaries. Know that you know, let them call you is the best mm -hmm. advice I would have. Having somebody's number is great and that's cool and and it's cool to show your buddies, look, I got all these people in my phone and all that shit. But the truth is, don't call people too much. Don't buy, don't call them unless you have an absolute reason to and actually don't call. Text them or email them first or message yeah. them some other way. That's a good way to do it. Non, way to look at it. Non, yeah, not too aggressively because they get bothered and I know this because I I also on you know, everybody knows this, but I also work in marketing and stuff with some individuals and companies behind the scenes in wrestling. That's more what I've kind of transitioned to aside from going more into the pop culture writing in terms of wrestling. I'm moving more into the business side of things and and being a consultant in marketing. The one complaint that I think the wrestlers have a lot is the fans, the guys that are fans that cover the business are just sometimes too big of fans. Mm. Like, yeah, it's cool. You're cool, dude, and everything else. But I have a life outside of wrestling. I can't talk all the time. I can't, you know, and and I try to always, of course, I have a weird life anyway, because I've got, you know, I got four daughters. I got grandkids. I've got, you know, I've, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to go chasing after people anyway. So it's a little different for me, but some of the younger guys, because they are excited. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely understandable. I'm not calling people marks or idiots or whatever, but I know the first time I started riding, I was 22. The first time I started driving wrestlers around yeah. and I thought I was the, and you walk in the arena with the other, you know, the regular people mm -hmm. and you're one of the guys who gets to hang out with a wrestler. You're the coolest dude. And you, you cannot be convinced that you're not right. You know, but at the end of the day, really, they're people, you're people, and it's just a business. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how big it is or how grand it looks on television, I've been backstage at these pay-per-views and stuff like that. I've watched guys come through the curtain. It happened live right there on television or on pay-per-view. A guy comes through the curtain, and they get to the back, and it's back to normal live, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, within a few minutes, it's, hey, shake hands, da 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 and it's get cleaned up and get ready to go and get paid or whatever, go stop by and see the boss, whatever you got to do before you go. And then it's back to the world, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's not, 
I, I think that a lot of people on the outside looking in think it's very glamorous and it, it really isn't, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and so when, for the guys, you know, it, it, I, you have to understand it, it. Here's the way I look at it. Most of my clients that I worked with, I have to work around their schedule because they have to eat at certain times, work out at certain times, be on a plane, be here, be there, be everywhere. I've got somebody waiting to talk to me. Someone I represent today, he's waiting to talk to me today, you know, and Sundays are the only time like for he and I, for example, to get together and conference because he's on the road. He's all over the world. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, not like I'm trying to give too much inside baseball or anything on it, but it's just, you know, behind the scenes, there's so many, there's so much that goes into it that the guys just don't really have time, a, a lot of extra time to just sort of cater to the fans. I mean, I hate to say that because that should be your number one priority, but their lives are so dominated by training and travel and, and all the other shit and stuff that goes into it. And, you know, it, it's just, it's really a lot harder life than I think people realize. Yeah. And so I feel for the guys a lot and the ladies mm-hmm. both. And it's, su- and it's such a hard life that, like you said, you want to kind of get into that minutia of how they go about their daily lives and how they kind of lead up to getting in- into the wrestling ring. Cause everyone can see them in the wrestling ring. They see them as larger than life performers. You know, they're, in a, in a lot of cases, you know, they are the modern day gladiators. And, but then, you know, like, but then once they get out of the ring, they're just like, they're just like you and me. And, you know, they have their own personal needs. They have their own personal desires. They're working, you know, they're doing this for their families. They're doing this, you know, for a business that they love. And so, you know, bringing that extra element, that's where, that's where the journalists really come in to, to really give that extra element that they otherwise would not have access to. So what you're doing you here is the Lord's work. Like that's, you know, that's, that's something that I have always, you know, just had respect for, you know, when it came to, when it came to, you know, these, you know, these great wrestling journalists. Well, I, I think the other thing that we have to understand on our side of things is media. And th- this goes with any athlete. Mm-hmm. Again, when you realize the, the, the scrutiny they're under and everything, we just saw the video the other day where John Cena's trying to have lunch and somebody's trying to get him to do the you can't see me thing. And the, the fan didn't really mean any harm. Yeah. But at that moment, at that time, yeah. it, it's kind of like this. And I've been in this situation a long time ago when bill collectors start calling all hours of the day yeah. and you never get any time alone. You're like, God, the phone just keeps ringing. Well, their lives are like having a bill collector call every five minutes. Yeah. Like the people like, like, like AJ styles, you know, or someone like that, you know, when he goes back home, everyone knows him. Yeah. When, when the Hardys go home, they're from a town of like what a thousand people. Everyone About, knows yeah. them, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, you know, it's like, they don't have time when they go home. Everybody wants a piece of them. One of my good friends was a player in the NFL He's from a town of 4,000 people. When he comes home, he has no free time at home because Mm -hmm. everybody wants a piece of him. So as journalists, you have to understand that their free time is exactly that, theirs. Yeah. And when you schedule with them, respect that, hey, if they say I've got from 9 to 9.30, that doesn't mean 9.35. It doesn't mean they want to be your best buddy a day or two later. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean if they share your story or whatever, your podcast out on social media, it's always a good idea to follow up and go, thanks, it was very cool of you to do that, and leave it there. Yep. Leave it there. Mm -hmm. And and then down the road, six, eight months down the road, 
fire them back up and be like, hey, yeah, this is me. Even send them the link to what you did before. We did this before. Can we get back together and do this again? And then they're familiar with you. Yep. And then they're comfortable because mm-hmm. once they know you're not there to hurt them, because these folks deal with a lot of crap, yeah. online, mostly from random people on social media, you know, that see, you know, somebody's got a little bit of a gut or they've got, you know, their this girl's butt's getting too big or something, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got something. Everybody's a critic, even though most of them probably are like slobs, but they're picking out stuff on the wrestler. So these people are hypersensitive yeah. as big and strong as they are when you're constantly being picked at. You're sensitive, man, about it. You don't want somebody coming in and doing something negative about you. So you have to disarm yeah. them. You have to disarm them, their public persona, mm-hmm. because that's what they're protecting. Yeah. And it's your job as a journalist to kind of protect it, too. If they haven't done anything wrong, there's no reason to attack them. It kind of reminds me a little bit of there was a moment in – you remember the first season of Tough Enough, right, From on MTV? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was yeah. there was a oh, moment yeah. that really sticks with me, and it's when when the remaining contestants were all you know like, we're all gonna watch an episode of Raw together like on on TV, and one of the guys, Josh Josh Matthews, if I remember correct, that was Josh Matthews. Yeah, right? yeah, he, Mister Do It All for Impact. <laughs> yeah, so he he went ahead and he watched upstairs. And he watched because he was hearing from the other contestants critiquing some of the moves in the ring. And that's kind of like a lot of the people on the Internet, how they're basically like, you know, just start picking apart what's going on. And he just wanted to take in the experience and remember that. And that's something that a lot of people kind of forget about when they go into that realm of critiquing every little thing, they for, it's almost like they forgot what brought them to the dance in the first place, what brought them to getting into wrestling in the first place. What was it about it? Was it the, you know, it's the, the experience as a whole that gets us in there. And what Josh was doing, I was, I admired that. I admired that he was just like, look, I just want to, Take it in because it's something that I want to be a part of. And it's when you start, you know, immediately like going after like the little things. And, oh, yeah. you know, that was something that, you know, like I when I saw the way that that he did that, I was like, I respect that. I think that's that's a great way to look at it. And that's something that I, I've seen a lot, you know, like with with a lot of a lot of people that are that are on the Internet that declare that they're part of the internet wrestling community, but at the same time, it's just like, why, why are you a part of it? If everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, there's that, well, that's kind of a part of our society these days. Also, everybody's yeah. dwelling on the negative, but I, I think the other, the other thing I've seen as far as with the, the wrestling audience is it's, I've used this analogy a lot, and and I mean, I I, I guess I'm gonna, probably going to bore you with this, but it's kind of like it. <laughs> it's like having having a wife that loves you, but she just keeps picking at you. She wants to change this about you and change that about you, and and it just gets to be the point where you love her and and you 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 need her around because she's you know she's the mother of your children and she takes care of things at the house and she makes sure everything's fine. God, she's so annoying. She just keeps picking at everything's wrong, and no matter what you do, even when you're proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. She's going to have something negative to say. That's the wrestling audience. Mm. They're the wife. 
They're the annoying wife that's never happy. No matter how good the guy does, no matter what he does, they know they're going to come home and get yelled at Mm -hmm. because the wife's never satisfied. Wrestling fans are never satisfied. They've gotten spoiled. Mm -hmm. They've gotten spoiled, period. I'm sorry to the people listening, but I mean, at a certain point, you know, you've seen every possible move the human body can do mm-hmm. now. Yeah. It, now we've got sh- wrestling on seven days a week. Remember, we didn't have enough variety. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got that. We wanted to go back to long title reigns and, and we got that now. Yeah. We got all this stuff. And yet everybody's still not happy. And this stupid civil war between WWE and AEW fans is just, that's ridiculous yeah. in and of itself. It's right almost there. like they're trying mean, to like kind of conjure up the Monday night war, which I get that sort of feeling. I get that sort of nostalgic feeling about it. Never but it's a bunch it. of kids that weren't even around. Right. <laughs> they're trying. Yeah. It's like they're all their Their exposure to it is from the Monday night war miniseries that WWE did or the, or, you know, or the 2004 DVD, that one single DVD that, you know, that they thought would capture that whole thing. It was like, that's the reference or just watching it on say on the WWE network on Peacock. And there was so much more to it than that. And there was, you know, there there was a lot of, there was a lot of animosity behind the scenes, you know, but, but but wrestling is the only place where you're invited to do it. I've never, ever seen a place where, and I know that people do it with like, I know that every fandom has this, but it is almost like man mandatory in wrestling. Like, for example, I, we're on because you invited me on because I wrote my first book. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm on Twitter and so is Stephen King. Yeah. If Stephen King posted something about his new book coming out and I came on and told him he had no idea what he was doing and I was a writer too and I knew exactly why he messed with <laughs> Do you know how foolish I would look? Mm-hmm. Do you know how stupid I would look? But in wrestling, we let people do it all the time. Yeah. And and I'm, and I'm not going to do this. He's never been in the ring. thing. I've been in the ring. Okay. I mean, I've been a ref. That's close. Enough. I've been in the middle of a match. I've been a manager. I've seen everything up close. I know how it all works. I'm not an expert on it. Yeah. I don't know how to do a snap mare like, like Seth Rollins does. I don't know how to throw a drop kick like AJ Styles. And I would never try to tell them that I do because I've never done it before. But at the same time, you know, you have to walk that fine line of, yes, I can be critical and say, I don't think I liked that very much. I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. But to sit there, it, like, like for example, they always use the chef thing. Well, I've never been a chef, but I know what a good meal tastes like. But there's a difference between saying I didn't like the taste of that steak and saying I could cook it better than you. Yeah. And that's the difference. Wrestling fans always want to invite themselves to rewrite the story. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to rewrite the story. You're an audience. Be an audience. Yeah. Stop trying to be in the business. You're not. Right. And and 99% of you never will be. And even if you are as somebody who has, I guess, quote unquote, which I never even got what the definite. Uh, so many people are obsessed with saying, oh, I'm in the business. I'm a, I don't care if I was or I wasn't. If, if people say that, I'm somebody who made money in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. That that was my main goal. Yep. Not not to wear the title of being in the business. I wanted to wear the title of the guy with a bank account. Mm-hmm. That's who I wanted to be. Yeah. So and that's why I write today. Even though I'm not writing about wrestling, it's why I write now. It's to make a lit. Do I love it? Yes, but it's a means to an end. Also. Right. I mean, it's the same fine line you have to walk as a fan, as an audience member. Are you allowed to have an opinion? Yes, but watch. You need to tread lightly. 
with mm-hmm. that opinion. Yeah. And that's my feeling. Otherwise you look foolish. And I, I have no problem with, with, Fan, with with fan fiction or different ideas about you know like how to book these different scenarios if you can i'm interested in, in hearing different different takes on on different oh, angles yeah. you know i think i love hearing how different how people would book the invasion angle from 2001 you know that was i like hearing like the different the and different takes fair. on it yeah yeah that's fair because people do it with movies and tv shows and oh, yeah. i mean that's part of our, our our whole vernacular when it comes to pop culture mm-hmm. we're gonna always break it down and say wouldn't it been cooler if they would have done this yeah. or wouldn't it been you know a better ending if it had been this way everybody does that but mm-hmm. at the same time it's it's not i i see people debate those topics like on movie forums and things like that and and yes, it does get emotional and heated sometimes when people maybe take personal shots. But the vitriol, just the, yeah. the just the visceral hatred that comes out when it comes to wrestling online, it's not only is it kind of sad, it's really childish. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely study hall childish. Yeah, and, and it's just. And, and that's one of the reasons I did kind of want to pull back. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a guy who has other options, I'm not going to sit there and and play in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to seriously and you want to i mean when i wrote stories i got all this this stuff all the time about oh you know you're doing all this stuff you're not even talking about wrestling you're right because everybody else is yeah everybody else is still hey i got an idea here's an idea i can do for a story this week what's on my mount rushmore of whatever it's been done Mm -hmm. come up with something original yeah and it's the same thing in wrestling come up with something original i would say that from the fans perspective and i would say it from the fiction perspective Mm -hmm. In, in wrestling or sports entertainment, it's time for something new because, you know, there's 15 of you guys that all look the same mm-hmm. and all do the same thing and all have the same gimmick. There's there's a million girls on the indies right now with half their face painted in skeleton or gothic or whatever, all trying to be Rosemary or Thunder Rosa. Don't do that. Mm. Be somebody else. Yeah. Come up with something different. As writers, podcasters, do something different. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, I mean – you know, I, 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 I say this, I mean, be fearless. Mm-hmm. That's the best advice I could be. Be fearless. You know what? If you don't make it, you're going to join everybody else that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. it. It's not like you're the only guy. It's not like we're going to single you out and say, oh, look at this guy. He failed. Right. You know, Cause we're going to say, look at all those people that failed because mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. Don't be afraid of failure. I mean, <laughs> and leave you're, nothing you're on the table like, and leave yeah, and leave nothing on the table. Don't absolutely, be afraid. Absolutely. Don't be. If you have an idea, if you have a concept for something, if you have a, a desire to interview a specific person, there's nothing wrong with asking. Just figure out the right way to contact them. And if they make connections with you, if they decide to come on your show or be interviewed by you. Yep. Fantastic. If they are unable to make it work in their schedule, then don't damn them to hell. <laughs> There's always going to be an opportunity for another shot at it. Unless of course there is not, you know, there are a lot of people that are, that have, that have left us that we obviously would not have a chance to connect with them again, but you have to at least try. And, there's there's no point in leaving something like that on the table. Just let, you know, whatever it is you have, that, those sort of desires. It's something that I've always said to people when it came to, when it comes to podcasting, you have to, you have to reach out to people the right way. 
You cannot just tag them on social media and say, wow, I wish this person would be on my show or I wish I could I could get a hold of this person in my column because then you're putting pressure on that person who is very likely not reading their social media at that time that you're tagging them. So that allows that tweet or post or whatever to just kind of sit around and other people could like it or retweet it. And then all of a sudden they're getting peer pressure. And, and that's not, that's not a good situation for anyone. So that's the one thing that I've, I've been saying just that if you want to reach out to someone who you believe has inspired you in some way, and I've done my share of it, you have to reach out to them, but you got to make sure that you're connecting with them in the right way that they're going to respond to you. And if it's, if it's a pass, then leave it alone. Then, you know, thank them for their time. Yeah, I think my my biggest thing is with I always tell everybody too, you're not going to enjoy it really until later. I I I wouldn't. I always said when a story or an interview or something or a podcast or whatever would come out immediately, there's that immediate gratification of yes, it's out, it's good, and they maybe retweet it or whatever, and you're like, yeah, you know. Like I said, I did the I did the story with China, and I got the message from her mom, and 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 it was about why she should go in the Hall of Fame by herself. Yeah, and. And, you know, and it was very important to her mother and and to hear that, you know, being them reaching back out. Yeah, that feels like a win because it's like not only did I write a good story that made sense, but it did a good thing for wrestling too. somebody in wrestling. And, you know, I think that's one of the things we've lost sight on. And I do like about what you do with your show is is focusing on positives rather than all the negatives, there is so much animosity and we have so much other crap going on that people are fighting about. And we're, we're wrestling fans, man. We, I mean, we're a wrestling family. Yeah. Let's face it. You know, we got to stick together through all the BS out mm-hmm. there, you know, Absolutely. and, and I, I really, I would really love to see that happen. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm afraid that there's so many bad feelings between not only the media and the wrestlers, but the, the fans themselves, you know, it would be really nice to see because we've got a lot of great wrestling. Actually, we've got too much right now wrestling. <laughs> you can't really keep up, but it would be nice for us to maybe find some common ground mm-hmm. and just enjoy it for a while. Because a few years ago, we were begging for an alternative and now we've got several. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's enjoy this whole Baskin Robbins thing. You know, I always use the expression, you know, our ass is in ice cream. Well, it, it, it actually kind of is because we got 31 flavors to work with now. <laughs> so, you know, enjoy it, man. I mean, I, I, last night I didn't watch much of, I mean, I, you know, as, as we watch, as we're recording this collision would have been last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch much of it, but it's on. Yeah. It, it's something, it's an option. Yeah. I'm not, you guys, you don't have to watch these shows from beginning to end. There's a remote. You can flip around mm-hmm. Monday night football's on, you know? So, yeah. I mean, don't, don't get so locked into it that it turns into a job, mm-hmm. man. I mean, keep it fun. It's this wrestling, man. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't get into it. I mean, I did say I wanted to make money in wrestling, but I want to make money. And that's why I'm a writer. I want to make money having fun. Right. I don't want a real job. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I know that. I know it. You know, believe me. And, <laughs> and as as someone who has a full time job and everything like, you know, these, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, make sure it's make sure it's a job that you enjoy doing. Make sure that it's in an environment that you feel like you can thrive in and. I'm grateful now to to have that to be working with some really great people in the in in my full time in my full time employment. And what's great about that is they support what I am doing on the side. 
they want to know like a little bit more about the different things that I'm doing. And so they, they, they provided a really good sounding board for when I was throwing around the idea of wanting to do a monthly membership program. And now it's here and they, you know, God bless them. They, they listened and they even provided their feedback on it and, and thought that, that what I was offering was very, was very fair. And I, and that, and that really, that really helped that, that really, that really helped. And, and like I said, you have to, you got to be in a place that's going to allow you to be you, but also give you the proper training, give you the proper structure for what you need to do to succeed. And, 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 have that sort of special connection with everyone that you're working with or else it is just going to feel like a job and it is going to feel like something that you're going to keep asking yourself, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why do I continue to put up with this? Yeah. You know, and yeah. And yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I work from home, so I don't have that coworker environment. And which, yeah. by the way, when I said, I don't want to realize, I wouldn't mind being in an office again. It's just, I'm so, con- after seven years mm-hmm. of being here now, I'm so, and I have an office here at the house I work in, but you know, I, I'm just, I'm so comfortable just making my own schedule and, you know, literally working in my pajamas mm-hmm. is great. Or like when it's icy mornings and I don't have to go scrape the car off, you oh, know, or, nice. you know, brave the weather, That's you know, a beautiful whatever. Thing, Those That's are wonderful. a beautiful thing. <laughs> and, but you know, honestly, mine and where everything kind of took really where my writing career took off is I went through a divorce about 10 years ago. And then I went through a couple really tough years where I really just didn't, I was kind of lost in life mm-hmm. and I met my wife and that was in 2015. And by 2017, I had been writing back full time nice. for quite a while. And, and where I'd been an editor of a newspaper, I, I quit that job and decided I wanted to go out on my own and freelance. Mm-hmm. So I, it was really rough starting out. We didn't have a lot and I did have that support, but I had it at home mm-hmm. and I had my wife and my, my daughters. And I mean, I, she had two and I have two. So we were kind of an instant family, you know, like, and, and, and just, we went through a lot and then we eventually, we bought a house and we, you know, I mean, things just kept growing from there, but that was my support, you know, was I had them, you know, and, and they've always, you know, no matter what crazy idea dad has, they all kind of back me up because <laughs> usually, usually I score a touchdown, you know, usually when I throw a Hail Mary, it scores a touchdown, not all the time, but, but you know, yeah, but you're right. I mean, you can't do any endeavor. My my advice to any of the young guys out there, young girls, anybody getting going, because I honestly, two of the the best young broadcasters in wrestling I've seen in the last ten years were both female, Alicia, Alicia too, and Denise Salcedo, mm-hmm. who I worked with at Sports Kita. She's working for Dave now. She's she's going to be a mega star. Wow, really? But uh, yeah, but I and I I digress. But I I think the biggest advice I would say to any of the young men or women out there that are doing it is just eliminate the negativity in your life. I mean, if anybody's in your life telling you you can't do it, mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to do it. And it doesn't matter who they are. I mean, don't listen. Right. I, I mean, even if it's your parents, I'm saying don't, you have to respect obviously the people in your life, mm-hmm. but. I mean, do not let people extinguish your dream because I would, I would have gave up a long time ago. It, people, you know, people I, I'm sure that I grew up with were laughing when I started doing wrestling. Mm-hmm. What is he doing now? What is this? You know, or, or, you know, every, every idea I come up with, they probably think it's some harebrained scheme, but then it ends up working out. You know, I, I always say it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the, the wily coyote of everything. <laughs> you know, I, I might shoot myself into the side of the mountain five or six times, but I keep getting back up. Yep. And I keep or- and I keep ordering, keep ordering from, Acme. Crap yep. from Acme. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Haven't learned my lesson yet. <laughs> That's 
great. And and all this time later, you know, now that you know, like you've you've gotten in that position, you've gotten the you've gotten the website, the gorilla position, you've gone through that, you're working with Greg Core for, for oh, yes. being. Yeah, and worked with I was pretty much married to that guy. But no, but seriously, <laughs> no, he is my best friend in the world. Actually, we met through four. That's another thing yeah. that I got from four one one is I got Mike. Yep. We we did not really stay close for a while after four one one for about oh it was I mean we'd stay in touch but not not that often. But I actually I saw his work one time at four one one and finally I'd been reading him regularly. I think I was on Fridays and he was on Saturday mornings yeah. or maybe vice versa. I can't, it's been so many years and, and I was reading his news reports and I, and then I noticed that he did the music stuff too there. Mm-hmm. I just emailed him one time. I was like, man, dude, I really like what you do, yeah. you know? And I think that's any of us love to hear from somebody, a fellow writer that says, Hey, I read you, man. And I, you're good. Especially you know? your peers, and, you know, like on the same yeah. website. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I love. That's what I truly love about, that website and something that that time was so special just getting that sort of that sort of camaraderie support. with everyone yeah support and it was just like Dude. and it like like for a time being for for the five years that i was doing that i was doing scene anatomy 101 there was this block monday we had leonard hayhurst doing ask 411 Tuesday was seen was seen anatomy 101. That was me. And then Wednesday was misunderstood masterpieces with Wilhelm. And all three of us, we were like cheering each other on. It was like we were doing our weekly passing of the torch. And then in 2007, that was when I found out from Ashish that he and Larry Zonka were talking about offering me the Thursday movies position now with larry doing the wrestling zone that was the extent of my real connection with larry but the fact that he was instrumental in giving me that shot that to me just you know means the world so i mean having having worked in the wrestling zone over on 411 for for a couple of years you got to work directly with larry right Oh, yeah. I worked for Larry, actually. That was pretty much who I answered to on everything. I sent everything to. I mean, obviously, the other guys, you know. But going back to the thing with, with what you were talking about with the the kind of the nurturing we got from 411. Yeah. That started with Larry. It, it it's And it carried over to some of the other writers. I know, you know, obviously, I, I made I had relationships with a lot of the, the people there, friendships. But with Mike and I not having been in touch for so many years, it was just out of the blue. I, I don't even remember how this happened, but I was living on my own here. And he he was him and his wife had just moved up from Florida about oh, wow. three hours away. And he just jumped in the car to come see me I, after 11 years. We had we met for the first time. And from there. We kept talking, and that's when we decided in 2017 to launch the gorilla position. We ran it for four years. We sold it to a gentleman named J.P. Zarka. But in that four years, I gained I gained a brother. I mean, really, Mike and I had always been friends, but I really – it got to the point, you know, his wife and my wife know each other. And, and I mean, we're uh, he's as close to family to me as I, I could put. And, and so that is my greatest – 411 for everything it gave me, and it gave me a lot – it gave me a terrific friend, the the greatest friend anybody could ever ask for, and a guy that Mike Mike is a genuinely like good guy, you know, just a real genuinely good person, and a really great example of the kind of people that four one one nurtured, and way 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 more intelligent than he looks. 
I might add. No, <laughs> I, no, I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, you know, he is extremely creative. One of the, I've always said I think Michael's a genius on the down low. I, I think that he hides it. He tries to hide it, but he'll when you see him put something together creatively, yeah. it's it's a masterpiece. And and you know, I've been able to learn from him. You know, we're the same about the same age, just not very far apart in age. But I've been mm-hmm. able to learn from him because of his experience on other things, and he's really gained the wrestling knowledge. I think a lot of the not not necessarily maybe the knowledge, but the connections with me. And now he does more in wrestling. He produces. He's producing a TV show. He he produced OVW uh, with Al Snow for right. four years. You know, mm-hmm. and so you know he's he's more in the business now than I am. You know, so it's wow. it's so funny. You know, like he learned so much on that side of things, and I learned so much more on the website and creative. You know, the technical side of things that. It really turned out to be great. And, and it's so funny is, is I always use the cornet line, twin sons of different mothers. It's like we came in, we got together, and now we both, both go out and we both own our own companies separately mm-hmm. now. Uh, but there's always that, you know, we're going to get back together and do something someday. We're, we're, gonna, we're always talking about, you know, there's going to be one big project left. We, we've got left in us because there's just that. It's not even really Batman and Robin. It's like Batman and Batman. You know, we're just yeah. like one and one A. So, it, you know, that's the one greatest, greatest friend I could ask for, greatest business partner and greatest collaborator creatively mm-hmm. I've ever worked with. Just so, so it's like, I don't even have to talk to the dude. He knows what yeah. I'm thinking, you know? And so, you know, that's, that is it. I mean, that was, again, that was fostered by that creative environment that was there mm-hmm. that, hey, bring your style thing to 411. Yeah. And it was Yeah, that. it was really, yeah. I mean, like, and God bless Ashish for really allowing that to thrive because yeah. when I asked him, what do you expect of me from the the Thursday news report? He just said, do what you want to do. And he just said, like, just, I mean... The main thing that he gave us, and this was the real valuable thing that I made a point to, to have said at the at the the big the big gathering that we did that really started off season two of this show. I made a point to say he gave us the most valuable thing of all. He gave us a deadline, and at, as long as we stuck to those deadlines, we could do whatever the hell we wanted. And yeah. And, I mean, within reason. I, I yeah, yeah within like reason. Yeah, porn yeah. stuff. I think we right. But <laughs> you know, the, and speaking of that, within reason, that was the other thing I will throw in about Mike. And if he does hear this, he'll laugh. But I, I always say he's kind of like we're like a yin and a yang. He's he's the more, I'm the very emotional one, mm-hmm. and maybe more like the kaleidoscope of colors. And he's more structured. He's more like the blueprint of things. So yeah. I've always said, you know, like he's kind of like Da Vinci. And I'm like Picasso. He would paint a beautiful portrait and then I'd come paint boobs on it, you know, because that's just <laughs> and that's just kind of how we got things done. That's how we produce things together. Oh, that's fabulous. So, <laughs> so with with all of this, I mean, like, you know, having having worked with with some with some great people and just like just before we we move on to the next phase of of your own evolution which is the main thing that you know that that we're celebrating today what what was your experience working with Larry himself oh god one of the nicest people i i, I would talk to Larry on the phone we would talk quite a bit and i i was a uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I was pretty, pretty serious drinker back then, or well, really unserious because it's kind of hard to be serious when you're like that. And I would watch raw sometimes and just pound beers. And I would be like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I was so, I was like such a bitter fan. And I was trying to get a job with TNA at the time too. So I was oh, kind wow. of anti WWE. Yeah. I had been down in Nashville at the asylum and been, been hanging out there, you know, with guys I knew that were in the, and they, they were coming down from St. Louis. And Louisville, I'd known wrestlers and they were like, Hey, you should come down and see if you can get a job. So I was going down there. So I was really anti WWE at the time. Anyway, you know, I I admit it. And I would call Larry and just be pissed or or whatever was on TV. And he would be the most calm person. You know, normally you would think you'd be like, dude, why are you calling me right now? Mm -hmm. He would sit there and we would just have a conversation and he was like, man, bro, you got to keep your blood pressure down. You're going to have a heart attack about this stuff. You know, I just remember him saying that he just to me was always he always seemed like and I I think he was younger than me, but he always just seemed like a big brother type. Like he would be the type of guy that you wanted to to have is like the the kind of guy you want to go fishing with or something like just just a laid back kind of I'm not saying carefree because he did have a business to run. But for the most part was really diplomatic and and just the kind of person you want to be like is the best way I could say it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I didn't really have too much one-on-one conversations with him. I don't think I had pretty much mate. I maybe had one email or two or something that, that he and I exchanged, but we were just in different zones, but there was always that respect. There was always that knowledge that, you know, Larry is the guy that is really making so much of this happen. Yes, Ashish is the webmaster, but at the same time, you need that general to really answer to. And Larry filled that role perfectly. And uh, you know, he was he was someone that they they like to they referred to the Undertaker as the constant. And he was he was the guy if there was any sort of turbulence steady on you know if he was sitting there just calm asleep and everything then you knew everything was going to be fine mm-hmm. yep i agree 100% that is the best way calm is the best way i could describe measured yeah. is the best way i could describe him and and you know and, and unfortunately he's, he's gone now i wish I, as we were sitting there a, a couple of years ago talking about him and we all got together and did it, you know, I just thought to myself, man, I hope he can hear us right now. Cause he he's could. probably got a big old smile on his face. Cause I get, you know, he, he was, you know, he was just, just one of those guys. And I always used to tease him all the time that he had the same name as the football player, Larry Zonka. But I think they're yeah. actually distantly related. The Hall really? of Fame football player. I believe he I said believe that it. once, but I mean, it's a pretty uncommon name. So you would yeah. think. But but not not close related. But I but yeah, it was so funny. There's a Larry Zonka that played for the Dolphins, and then the Larry mm-hmm. Zonka that we worked for, which is is so funny. So, but yeah, he was just thinking about him. I mean, I, I don't have any bad memories. I, I can't think of a time we ever had a crossword or, or raised voices at each other or sent each other a mad email. It was always you know just tell me what you need, but and he he was always really appreciative of everything. He was just a just a genuine person, just a genuine guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then after the years of working for 411, after going in your various directions, all the different steps of your own evolution, now you have something truly tangible to hold in your hands and say, this, this is a part of me now. Yeah. That is, and that is your book. Now, first of all, welcome to the world of, of published authors. Thank you. Uh, and I am I was so thrilled when I saw that you know that you had this book. 
And I knew I was just like, all right, I am going to, I'm going to own this. I know I was going to, you know, I knew I was going to own it and you know, I already bought my copy. So I'm looking forward to sitting back and, and reading it and enjoying it. So what prompted you to go in that direction with getting the, getting your, your book out there? Well, really, I, it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. But, you know, it was a couple of years ago, I was doing some freelance work for the local newspaper here in town and, and just kind of doing they needed some people that could go cover some stuff locally. And I went to the local school here. I lived two blocks from the high school and they had a book fair going and they had authors there and they were signing their books. And I looked there and I thought, God, I've been a writer for all these years, I have this stack of columns and things that I've written that could turn be turned into chapters. And, and I thought that could be me. Why can't, why can't I go somewhere and sign my book? You know, I mean, what, what, what makes them, so I started exploring it. And then I, I touched base with some friends of mine who had been authors and I took, I contacted my old newspaper where I, I one of the places I really got started when I came back full-time writing and said, Hey, I want to use my old columns there to make a, a compilation, like a collection of, of just different random ideas. You know, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of, of a Sports Illustrated writer named Rick Riley. He used to write mm. the back page of Sports Illustrated for years. He yeah. took his columns over the years and turned them into chapters of books, expanded them and turned them in. That's what I did with Pop Music and Peanut Butter. And they mm. were just cha- chapters. One of the reasons it, it's called that is one of the chapters is about how much I love peanut butter and why peanut butter is such a great <laughs> snack. And, yeah. you know, pop music, because there's a lot of musical references, but mostly it's it is a pop culture life observation book written from the perspective of a guy who's Generation X. I mean, who's mm-hmm. a child of the 80s, a teenager in the 90s, you know, came came of age. I always say I grew up in the electric 80s and I got dirty in the grungy 90s, you know, and, and that's just that was our life. I went from, you know, Atari to the Internet, you know, and, and that's. That is pop music and peanut butter, and that's really where my writing is headed. That's where my, I guess, persona is headed now. Is is I've done everything now. It seems like I've covered sports. I've, I've been. I've covered a Super Bowl. I've I've covered pro wrestling. I've been in the Miami Herald. I've been in SB Nation. I've been here and there. Now I want to write books about what I think about life, and I want to make it funny enough to make people laugh. Because nice. that, to me, at the end of the day, there's a million things in those books that I'm going to write and that, that are in pop music and peanut butter that people can all relate to. They can all look at and they can all have in common. But, you know, the one thing that everybody can have in common, no matter what the situation is, they chuckle yeah. about it. The mm-hmm. laughter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I have tripped up like that. Or Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember the first time I tried to parallel park. Oh, God, it was, you know. You look back at those times in your life when you're older, it's okay to look back and laugh at them now because we made it. We survived. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where my writing's headed now is I'm, I'm almost 50. I turned 48 on June 30th, you know, wow. and, and I share a birthday with Cody Rhodes and Terry Funk. That's a, but that's a good, that's a good, good pairing right there. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I, 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 but I, I, at this point now in my life, reaching fifties, you know, I'm not going to go into a midlife crisis. I don't want a Corvette and a herringbone chain. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, trading my wife for a 22 year old stripper or anything like that. What I want to do is look back at my life fondly now where I'm at right now at this turning point, because I'm starting at second half. I want to look back at that first half and go, man, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cause it was, it was fun. now. Let's see. Now let's see what I can do now that I've right. gotten this far. Right. Before we turn the page, yeah. let's finish this one off first. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly. where I'm at right now. 
Excellent. Excellent. So, so what we're going to do is just one final thing is where can my listeners find you on social media? Well, they can find the book Pop Music and Peanut Butter on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on social media at Ryan K. Bowman on Facebook. My Facebook parties or my Facebook page is kind of a party. You're on there quite a bit. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a little fun. It's mostly silliness. There's not a lot of serious talk there. So stop. Yeah. On, I always tell people stop on by. The water's warm. So my Facebook page, same thing, Ryan K. Bowman on Twitter, Ryan K. Bowman on Instagram. I will have a book signing locally for the folks. I'll be in Marissa, Illinois, Thursday night, July 6th at the local library doing a book signing. I'll have some more over the summer. I would say follow me on social media and I would keep everybody posted. Also, I will be launching my own podcast sometime in July called The Profit Report. So stay tuned Ooh, for that. Nice. And pro- profit is spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Yeah, because, you know, because mm-hmm. I like to be difficult. About Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And the great thing that that I hope all of you remember about this conversation is have the passion to push forward and have the love for what it is that you do, because if you can apply that, then everything that you do will not feel like a job. It will feel like something that is a part of you that you will just keep on pushing forward with and evolving with for throughout your years. Ryan and I were fortunate enough to be a part of a great website that is still great today. And but at the same time, like we were part of a real brotherhood that will never ever go away. It has spawned so many great relationships and it has pushed people into becoming even more leaned in to what it is that they love to do. And I hope that for all of you that are out there, you find your own real passions, you nurture it, you work with great people who are focused on nurturing it with you. And who knows what what could be coming up in the future. We're going to continue on this conversation very briefly in our exclusive content section. So for Ryan K. Bowman, this is George Savoy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com. <laughs>